0: Today we're going to be in First Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. So this is our, our next move in the book of Thessalonians. And I'd like to read the passage for you this morning. We'll see what God has for us within it. So starting at verse 1 of chapter 5. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety... But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You catch that? God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good news. Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, whether we live or die, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. This is the scripture for today. Last week's sermon addressed the Thessalonians' question about what happens to... It was a new church, a three-month-old church, and they, believe, they were taught by Paul, the Apostle Paul by the day of the Lord that the Lord was going to come, and he was going to take with him everyone who trusted in Jesus. The thing that Paul neglected to teach them, apparently, or wasn't able to teach them because of time constraints, was what happens to those who die before Jesus comes back. And so in in 1 Thessalonians 4, we learned that uh, Paul said, encourage one another through this. Anyone who dies before Jesus comes back is going to be Together with Jesus, along with those who get taken by him, everyone's going to be together with Jesus through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that was good news for the Thessalonians, that their friends who passed away, perhaps because of persecution, were safe in Christ and would be reunited with their loved ones. That was last week's uh, sermon, and Paul reassures them um, that everything's going to be okay for those who die in Christ. This week's sermon is not about the dead, however. It's not about those who die before Jesus comes back, but it's about the living. You know, Paul switches gears in the same subject. Instead of talking about what it means to die in Christ, in this passage, Paul is encouraging these Christians about how to live in Christ and how to live their everyday life in light of the coming of Jesus and the day of the Lord. This is what this is all about. And Paul is talking about this idea of being ready to meet Jesus at any time, and to live as if you are getting ready to meet Jesus. I was thinking about it this week. You have to admit, if you knew Jesus was coming back next week sometime, we'll say, I think you'd find it easier to schedule a quiet time for yourself, to pray, to study your Bible, to maybe join with your church for a prayer service. You'd be like, we've got to get ready for Jesus. He's coming back next week. If we knew that Jesus was coming back sometime in 2021, we would probably meet as a church every evening after, after work, and pray as a church and seek the Lord for what he wants to do in our community, how we're going to share the word of his coming. We'd probably be very motivated. Probably even the most shy and, uh, you know, introverted of us would be emailing, doing, maybe doing a mass email to our friends at work. Jesus is coming back in 2021. This is the way to have a connection, a connection with him so you can be prepared to meet with the Lord. I think that we'd be in a flurry of preparations Uh, if we knew that Jesus was coming back in 2021. We'd be all uh, trying to encourage each other, trying to encourage ourselves, and just getting ready for that big day. That's the kind of attitude that Paul is trying to transmit through this passage. Paul is saying, for the living, we don't know when the day of the Lord is. We don't need to talk about the dates. We don't know what the date is, but he is coming. Let's live as if he's coming back. So we'd be planning for this, right? But, you know, one of the observations my good friend Aaron Coonsman made a long time ago is that um, in, our, in our normal lives, our planning and our preparation for everything else often comes before our spiritual plans for our relationship with God. It does. I mean, our planning habits are not that different from the world sometimes, as Christians. but we're supposed to be people that are poised to meet with Jesus at any time. That's our calling. Um, ready to meet with him in, in life, whether he comes back or in death, we're ready to meet with him. But we plan pretty much everything else to the, to, in great detail um, and not our spiritual lives so much. Just this week, planning to be away for three Sundays, you know, there was a flurry of planning for me to do. I had to, had to talk to the staff about protocols for, for when I'm gone who to talk to, I had to let all my regular meetings know that I'd be away, had to delegate the sound system set up and the setup for video, uh, had to, talk, had to cut, put preachers on for Sunday, uh, talk to the elders about what to do. And that's just that on the church end, for me and Jackie, we had to find a place to go with six people. We had to figure out food and the experiences we wanted to have. We had to figure out our packing, had to figure out if our vehicle was ready to drive that distance. And on top of that, getting ready for the school year in September when we come back. It's a lot of planning and preparation. And all of that is just to go on vacation. <laughs> if you average all that out, it would probably just be like a normal work week, right? You know. But um, I know that all of us have to jump through a lot of hoops in our lives. Most of us have a lot of hoops. And everything we do in our lives requires a good deal of planning and prepping for what is to come. But sometimes we, we lose sight of planning and prepping and living our lives, For what really matters eternally in Christ. And this is the day of the Lord, when Jesus appears to us again, or even our own death. None of us knows when our time will be. But Jesus and Paul are teaching us how to live in light of the possibility that Jesus could appear at any time and call, just say, this is it, like a thief in the knife, it's over. Here I am. Where have you been, Right? Jesus and Paul are both preparing us for this. And if, you, and if you listen carefully to Paul's passage, you see that he was discipled very carefully by Jesus. So if, let's say you don't like Paul's version of this. Let's, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew twenty four forty two. Jesus says, therefore, keep watch. That's like a watch in the night, right? Keep watch. Keep aware. Keep sober-minded because you do not know on what day our Lord will come. Your Lord will come. I'm sorry, because he is the Lord, so he wouldn't say our Lord. He wouldn't, not trying to start a cult here, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And, of course, Son of Man is in reference to himself as well. I remember growing up on Halloween Halloween, we would go to my grandparents to, to have like a family get- together on Halloween Day every year. And every year we'd come home, and the, and the windows would be, sma- a window would be smashed, pumpkins would be smashed in my house, toilet paper in the trees, and my dad just had enough of it. So he decided not to join us for Halloween at my grandparents that year. My dad waited on the porch, in the shadows, with a very bright flashlight, he just waited and watched for the coming of the neighborhood vandals. And when they appeared, he let them do their thing for a little while and then he turned the light on and they scattered like cockroaches. They left their bikes, they left their candy bags, they left everything they came with and ran as fast as they could. And my father took all of their stuff and held it hostage until they came and apologized and made restitution for it, which I think is a wonderful story about my dad. But, but this is the idea, that my dad was watching. He knew what time they were coming. They are coming on Halloween. They were always gone every year. And he waited and watched. Likewise, Jesus says, you know, if you knew what time your house was going to be broken into, you'd be watching for it. But we don't know the day or time Jesus is coming, so we should be watching for it all the time. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour if we do not expect him. Okay. So who then, according to Jesus in verse 45, is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household, give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a pretty severe warning from Jesus about being alert and being ready. And if you listen, it's very similar to what Paul says. Um, Being aware, being poised, being ready at any time. And what has Jesus defined being ready? Serving the servants of God, you know, doing the work of the ministry. Listen to Jesus' heart in this passage. Jesus is passionately encouraging us to be about God's business at all times and ready for the sudden day when we will die or when Jesus comes back to bring his kingdom to fulfillment. This is our hope of the day of the Lord. Jesus passionately begs the church or, or commands the church saying, So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And explaining himself, He defines what being ready means, if you look carefully. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. That's what being ready means. Doing the work the master sent you to do until he returns. That's being ready. So in light of Jesus' return, in light of the, the relative quickness, shortness of life on, our, on this earth, Jesus says, remain in a state of readiness. He says to remain ready by doing the ministry of Christ at all times as we wait for him. And of course, the ministry is not burdensome, but it's a joyful partnership with the church and with the Holy Spirit to bring about God's great commission, loving God with all our hearts, loving the world, and sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. So after reading that passage in Matthew 24 from Christ, it's easy to hear that Paul is not actually sharing his own thoughts. Maybe you disagreed with what Paul said. But he's actually just regurgitating the exact same teaching of Jesus before him. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, once again. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Sound like Jesus, right? While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Peace and safety, that quote, was what the Roman government in Jesus' day was offering to all of its citizens who fell into line. It was called the Roman peace, the Pax Romana. Basically, if you worked with Rome and you, you, you followed their rules and did everything they said to the letter, it's going to be good for you to live in Rome. That's why all the religious leaders and people that, uh, in Jesus' day were pretty corrupt because they were, in, in a sense, in bed with the government, going along with the Roman peace, trying not to make waves, which is also why Jesus was crucified, because he was making waves. So that's, that's the peace and safety. That, that phrase comes from the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And it would have been really easy to be complacent in that world of Rome, as life was not that bad if you just went along with whatever the government told you to do. If you were a good citizen, uh, Rome rewarded you with peace and safety. So in a turn of phrase then, Paul says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, like a woman who suddenly goes into labor. It was somewhat fascinating reading different commentaries written in the 80s and 90s about this passage during the week. Because the authors of those commentaries shared how, in many ways, living in the USA was similar to living in Rome with the peace and safety mantra going on. You know, disasters, plagues, wars, terrorism happened in other places, but not the United States. Peace and safety, but not post 9-11, not anymore. In our day, especially during a worldwide pandemic, political unrest and upheaval, we see that peace and safety offered by the world we live in is not possible to achieve, not even in the United States. You know, this is a country people felt very secure in Peace and safety, the point of Jesus and Paul is, is not possible apart from our hope in Jesus Christ. Any peace and safety that you sense outside of that is at best an illusion or a mirage. Everything we build with our hands in this country in which we live, anything we earn, anything we own, will all pass away. Perhaps during our lifetimes, but definitely after we are gone. And all that will matter on the day when we meet with Jesus is what did you do with your minutes, your hours, your days, your weeks, your months, your years to serve Jesus Christ? What did you do with the life that God gave you? And as Jesus encourages us, best to be found as a faithful and wise servant of God, doing God's work as he would do it, like Jesus did, with the limited time we get on the earth to follow him. You know, there will be no evangelism in heaven, for instance, right? There will be no uh, need for to feed the hungry or to bring about justice in heaven. There will be no straining to hear the still small voice of God in heaven. Now, all of these things are opportunities we have in this life, and they will pass away, and there will be a time when all of those things are fulfilled in God's perfect world. But until then, what are we doing with our minutes, our hours, our days, our weeks, our months, and our years? And Jesus says... Paul says best to be found as a faithful servant doing the work that was assigned to you with joy in anticipation of the master's coming. A good friend of mine this past week, we, her, her mother passed away and we, she's a preacher. She share, she's a very good um, speaker and great storyteller. So every time I talk to her, it's just an amazing experience of, um, you know, meeting with God or hearing a testimony. And um, she, she said, Reflecting upon her mother's passing, she's. I, I said, "You know, how would you want to want to go?" She goes, "I want to be standing in front of a pulpit, and just finish my sermon, and then I'll just that's it." And I thought that was pretty cool. I guess it's a little bit uh, scary considering the church she preaches at is called Hemlock Bible Church, because that's also poison. Um, but what a cool, what a cool person, right? What a cool thing, what a cool idea. This is not literally, you know, you wouldn't. She said, I wouldn't want to traumatize kids if they were there, but, you know, in, in terms of her heart, to, to die doing what she did living, to serve God, to share his word, with the opportunities that he gives. And it's true that if you, if you take opportunities and you are wise and steward the opportunities God gives you, he gives you more. That's, that's how it works. So like Paul says, uh, or like Jesus says, you know, when you, you'll be put in charge of more, the more you're faithful to what you have. So what will you do with your minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years? In a time when our world is chanting peace and safety, that's a time that's, that's gone. We're not chanting that right now. We're chanting danger and unrest. Uh, so we can see even more clearly that this whole world system is held together by a thread and it's going to fall apart. And in the midst of a global pandemic, you know, with all this uncertainty, where is the hope? Where is the peace and safety? It's found in Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 4 of our passage today. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, so that this day of the Lord should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober, For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I don't know if you've ever traveled and passed over time zones in your life, but when we, when we went to Bosnia several times, Bosnia is six, a six-hour difference from United States. So 10 o'clock a.m. in Saratoga, 4 o'clock p.m. in Bosnia. At 3 o'clock a.m. our time in Bosnia, it's 9 o'clock a.m. So when I've traveled to Bosnia back to New York, it's pretty rough because I'll wake up at 1.30 a.m. in the morning because my internal clock is saying it's 7.30 in the morning. You ever experienced that, where you wake up in the middle of the night, traveling over, over these lines? This is something like what Paul is saying to Christians. He's saying, you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, you're not in that time zone, so that this day should surprise you like a thief, you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the darkness. As the world slumbers and staggers in sleep, we Christians know it's time to be awake and sober-minded, serving Jesus. We're in a different time zone altogether. And I began to think about Jesus' conception of time. Jesus got up early in the morning before the light came out when everyone else was sleeping and spent time with God. He was operating literally like in a different time zone. Like, I get up at 4 o'clock, I spend an hour with God just to get through my day and to know what ministry God has me to do. But for us, we're, it's, it's like we're all waking up at 1.30 in the morning and we're sober-minded looking like what? What do we need to do today, Jesus, while everyone else is sleeping? That's what Paul is saying. He says, do not be like others who are asleep, but be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. For those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Since we belong to the day, let's, let us be sober, putting on faith, and love is the breastplate, the hope of our salvation as a helmet. For God did not point us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. He died for us so whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. God has not appointed Christians to receive wrath, but salvation. For the person who has this hope in Christ, it's, this is never a question. It's a sure thing. You have nothing to worry about. If your hope is in Jesus Christ, you are not appointed for wrath. You're appointed for salvation. We, the future is completely clear, and nothing can separate you from the love of God, it says in the Word. We do not live in the tension of having to plan for how we're going to be saved in the end of time. We don't live in that tension. So we can instead, instead of planning for being our salvation, which is promised to us, we can instead be awake and planning on how we can serve Jesus so that we are ready for the day when he returns or when our lives meet their end. Jesus and Paul both say this day will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. And Jesus and Paul both say that Christians who trust in Jesus are not appointed to suffer wrath, but rather to be saved. So because of this, both Jesus and Paul strongly encourage us to live in Jesus' time zone while the rest of the world is sleeping and to wake up wearing our faith and love as a breastplate, the hope of our sure salvation, our definite salvation as a helmet, and to be found serving God in God's world in love until Jesus returns or until in death we return to him and all with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So as Jesus said, we must be ready because I am coming and an hour now when you do not expect me. Who that is the faithful and wise servant who the master has put in charge of the servants in this household to give them their food at the proper time, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I don't know what work Jesus has called you to do. I know that if you're here, this church family is your church family that you're that you called to. I don't know what your all of your individual callings are. I don't know what responsibilities you know in your heart God has given you, whether in your household, in your work, or in your church. But this is a time when we need to consider what those things are and invest in the things that are of eternal significance for Jesus' kingdom. Because he's going to come at a time when we don't expect. We can... We can prepare for that now. We can throw the extra weight off the boat so that we can move forward in the ministry God has for us in this short life with our minutes, our hours, our days, our weeks, our months, our years, our decades, invested for the kingdom. It may be said for each of you and for me that we persevered to the end in this, in this ministry, in this life, um, that we are found ready when Jesus comes or when we meet him face to face.